How's everybody doing? Good. All right, we are working on Word Over the World. We are searching for something we can stand on, something solid, something that's not shaking all the time, someone, something that doesn't promise us something, tell us something's true, and then the next minute say, ah, something else is headed along the way. So I have this question for you this morning. Who do you trust? And why do you trust them? Who do you trust? Please uh, don't give me the church answer. Think this through. Who do you trust? In your day-to-day life, as you're living your life, how many of you trust Crest? We got a couple of no's here. I don't know what happened with Crest, but who do you trust? Do you trust family? Some of you are like, no. Why? Do you trust your career? Do you trust something you read? Why do you trust the thing that you read? As you live your life, who do you trust and why do you trust them? It's really foundational to everything you do. Almost everything you do, because you do it because you, 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 you trust or don't trust someone. Do you trust the Bible? Is the Bible something that you trust? And why? As we walk into this today, I'm really after one basic piece, and that's this. Jesus said to love him with all your heart, mind, and soul. And a lot of people I've noticed tend to interact with the Bible just with their heart sometimes, not with their minds. There's such a thing as blind faith. Blind faith is when I trust something even though it goes against the facts. So here's the facts, but I don't care what the facts say. This is what I trust. This is how I'm going to to trust this piece. The Bible asks us to trust Christ not with one or the other or the other, all three. It includes your mind, your heart. And your soul. And so you live in the age of what's called the, the age of science, where science has become a big deal. And science, in its, in its most basic form, is this A plus B equals C. A and B are facts. It goes like this uh, I, Have you noticed that every time you leave your windows down in the car, it rains? Right? So A, I left my windows down. B, it rained. C, the, what, what makes it rain is when you leave your windows down. Now, I don't mean this as a joke. That is science. Now, once you've come to that hypothesis, then you test it over and over and over again. And some of you have tested it so many times, you actually believe it's 100% true. You actually believe you have the power over rain. Just leave your windows down. And it will rain. You are trying to discover. You're trying to find the truth. We are going to interact with how do you study the Bible or how do you trust the Bible? And maybe you've gone down the road of, hey, you just do, right? The, there's, the, there's, what? there's the facts of life and there's, there's science and there, there's the earth and then there's the Bible. That's a whole different realm. Well, I, I want to blow that up today. That's not, that's not true. 
You don't want to have blind faith. You want to have informed faith. Christ calls us to informed faith. He has revealed himself to us through the word and through Christ himself coming to earth to inform you, to tell you what he has to say, to make you promises. The faith part is deciding whether or not you're going to believe God. He's not asking you to believe without knowledge. He's giving you knowledge and then challenging you to believe from there. And so uh, the next piece is there's a a little uh, statement. I've jotted it down. I want you to interact with this. I'm going to come back to the end. Does the Bible judge you or do you judge the Bible? Last week we talked about the Bible is a mirror. You want to know who you are? Put it up against the Bible. The Bible will show you who you are. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It will show you who you are. You want to get to know who you are? The Bible is this incredible mirror. So the question for you today is, are are you the mirror to the Bible? In other words, are you judging the Bible? Are you going after the Bible going, listen, I'm going to interact with the Bible, but I'm the judge. If so, then you're the source of truth. You're ultimate truth. You are the source of truth. As long as you trust a man to judge the Bible and to be the mirror, then that man is the source of truth. That's why I do not want you to interact with the Bible that Pastor Chris said the Bible says this, therefore. You don't want a man telling you what God says. You want to hear that from the Bible. Now, if your source of truth is outside of the Bible, maybe it's something you think science says. Maybe it's something that you, you've read in a book. Maybe it's something you saw in a video. Maybe, it's a, it's, maybe, you went to, maybe you believed in the Bible and you went to college and they said a bunch of things. You're like, no, I don't believe the Bible anymore. I believe what the people said that I went to college with. Then they are the source of truth. They're your source of truth. What happens many times is you interact with the Bible and you're like, hey, the facts just don't add up. And the world, through lots of sources, has said the facts don't add up. The Bible is not God's word. It's not trustworthy. That's not true. It's not true. I submit to you the reason that you come to that conclusion is you're myopic. myopic. You just look through this little tiny lens. It's like a gotcha thing. It's like a little gotcha video. The Bible's not true, da, 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 and they, they spit this stuff, and it's just a little gotcha thing. They haven't looked at the whole thing. So today, what we're, our goal is, is to walk through why or how you can trust the Bible. The Bible says, all Scripture is God-breathed. God has spoken to you. God has spoken to you. He's breathed to you. And is, is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped to every good work. God has spoken so that you can become a godly person. So that you can be changed. He has spoken to you. All of your commands can be trusted. 
Now, at the core of what we're talking about today, at the core of what we're talking about today is this. Do you interact with the Bible by reading it and going, God has spoken? I'm going to interact with it that God has spoken to me. Or do you read the Bible as though it's, it's a book that has some nice sayings in it and, and, and maybe, maybe God said something here, but I'm not sure. Do you, do you interact with the Bible as though, wait, I know what God has said. Or do you interact with the Bible as a book that you're kind of, you don't probably use the word judge, but you are. You're coming to the Bible to find out what, it's like the nice uncle. You go to find out what the uncle says, and if you like what he says, you do it. If you don't, eh, it's just what the uncle said. How do you interact with the Bible? I want to submit to you, you can trust the Bible because it is historically accurate. Before I jump into that, there's a couple of books there. Guys, pop back to that real quick. There's a number of people through, this one particular guy said, I'm going to prove the Bible's not true. I'm going to prove that Jesus is not true. His name was Josh McDowell. He ended up believing it was true and compiling all the evidence he came up with in terms of why he believes that it was true. The second book there, Searching the Original Bible, uh, is, is he walks through, how did we get the books of the Bible that we have? Where did they, where did they come from? How did they get put together? And so both of these are, are great books to interact with intellectually to know, hey, can I trust the Bible? All right, so we're going to hit through seven things. And as we do, I want you to actually primarily, I don't want you to interact spiritually. I don't want you to interact emotionally. I want you to first and foremost to interact intellectually. Is this, are these things true? There's some really amazing truths about the Bible, facts about the Bible. A plus B, that equals C. First of all, it is historically accurate. It's not just true theologically. It's not just true doctrinally. It's not just true spiritually. It's in line historically. Now, this is an amazing statement because the Bible was written over like 1,600 years. And the statement that I'm making is there's nothing that it states in the Bible that's not in line with what we know to be true in history. That's that's a strong statement. You mean, in the way the Bible says is this, the word of the Lord is right and true. It's not men writing down what they think. It's God giving men what to write down. So uh, one of the tests for uh, historical accuracy is an eyewitness. Much of the Bible... They're eyewitnesses. They're writing down what they saw. They're not making it up. In our courts, you can't say, well, so-and-so told me this, and then use that in court. It's got to be an eyewitness as you work forth. So Moses saw the Red Sea split. Moses saw many of the other miracles that happened and took place. Joshua saw the wall of Jericho fall. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John They all watched Jesus do these things. They saw them with their own eyes. The second piece is is a part of the Bible that every time I study this, I'm amazed by it. It's the accuracy of the scriptures. 
The Bible claims that the original manuscripts, the original one that was written, that's God's word. But then God has preserved his word in amazing ways. And I'm just going to walk you through how they did the Old Testament, how they made copies of the Old Testament, the rules that they followed. Rules like this. When they had a scroll, they had a specific number of columns throughout it, so they would always be the same. And the length of those columns always had to be from 48 to 60 in length and always had to stay exactly 30 letters wide so they, they could always check it out. To make sure that it was always right, they had this rule that when you had a copy, had to copy letter by letter, not word by word. They didn't copy the words. They copied the letters. You know from texting, right? How many of you sent a text and went, <gasps> I got to get that back, right? Because it's just, you're just writing a word. You're not paying attention to the letters. They said, no, we're going to do it by, by letters. And then they had these tests to make sure it was right after they copied it. They knew in a book how many letters of the alphabet were in each book. So, for instance, our letter A, they would have known that there were 1,653 A's. They'd go through and count all those A's and make sure they had that many A's. And if it was uh, off, then they, when they counted it, they threw away the scroll, started over again. They were so exact that they knew the middle letter of the first five books of, of the Bible, the Pentateuch. They knew the middle letter of the whole Old Testament. And after they had copied all of this, they would go to the middle letter, count forward and backwards. If it didn't come out exactly to, to that exact number that it should be, they'd throw it away and they'd start over. Well, how did, it, how did it work out? Well, one of the cool things that happened was in the 50s, they found what's called the Dead Sea Scrolls. These were scrolls of the book of Isaiah. And so this was written about 100 years before Christ. And then you have the original manuscripts. You, have all the, you don't have the original, but you have all the other manuscripts out there, copies of this letter. There's a thousand-year gap between the original and this one that they found. They were, they were just astonished. There was just this tiny fraction of difference, and it would be like a letter here or a letter there. It, it read just like the original ones. There's a lot of this you can study through in the New Testament and find those exact same things happening in the copies. It's also archaeologically accurate. What's that mean? That means when it says a town existed, it existed. That means when it says these people moved from here and it moves to here, and then when we go to dig it up to find out if that's true, then we find that it's archaeologically accurate. Now, this is what happens because this is what happens in science, in archaeology, in all pursuits of knowledge, this is what happens. We know what we know today. And we think we know everything today. But we think we know this is how it works. And so you've experienced that in your lives where today they said, this is what you do, this is what the doctor does, and then two years later they change. Well, that's what we knew then, now it's changed. And so uh, one of my favorite ones is the Hittites. The Hittites is an empire. It's not just a small group of people. It's an empire. And the Bible talks about the Hittites. And it talks the stories and tells about the different kings and who they were and, and that they had overtaken the Israelites. And there, there are all these stories that go on about the Hittites. And the archaeologists said that proves the Bible's not true. It proves it because there were no Hittites. We have dug all over the place. There are no Hittites. Until one day. In the early 1900s, somebody dug up about 10,000 tablets 
They were the tablets of the Hittites. And it told the whole story of the Hittites. Now, what am I saying? This is what I'm saying. There are no archaeological digs that don't fit what the Bible says. Now, you can take, and there's articles out there, you can take one little piece of it, you're like, no, no, I think it's different here. Based on what we know now, they go, it's not true. But that's false. That it matches as you work your way through it. It is also scientifically accurate. Now, before I jump into this, I want, to I want to make sure we're clear about what I mean by that. There are no statements in the Bible that are contrary to what we know to be scientifically true. This is one of the strongest proofs to trust the Bible. Because the Bible was written, some of it was written 3,500 years ago. What they believed was scientifically true back then is hugely different than what we believe to be scientifically true today. We've done so much. We found out so much in that much time. Certainly, they would have just written down what they thought was true at the time. They would have never thought about it. If it was just men writing it down, certainly that's what they would have done. And so here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, every word of God is flawless. That's a big deal. It's not saying that the Bible is a whole or kind of generally. No, every word is flawless because it's from God. The words of the Lord are flawless like silver refined in a furnace of clay and purified seven times over. It's not the, it's not the word of men. It's the word of God. So the first one is uh, the flat earth. When did they discover that the earth was round? Does anybody know? Who proved it? Anybody know? He's one of the first guys. Yeah, Columbus is the guy who really proved it. He got in the ship and took off and didn't fall off the end of the earth. That wasn't very long ago. It was like 1400s. Thousands of years ago, in Isaiah, it says, God is enthroned above the sphere of the earth. In the entire Bible, it never calls the earth flat. Yet all, all of mankind thought the earth was flat. The next is, uh, who holds up the earth? For many, many thousands, thousands of years, men believed that something had to, had to hold up the earth. For the Greeks, it was Atlas. You've seen the picture, right? He's holding up the earth. He's got the big, strong muscles. He's so strong. The Greeks believed that Atlas held up the earth. Even though a ton of writing in the New Testament that was going on at that time, it, it never says that. The Hindus... For thousands of years, this is Eastern, and a lot of what happens in the Bible is Middle East to East, is the Hindus believed that the earth... Now, as I talk about this, I'm not talking about this to say this is ridiculous. I'm talking about this to say everyone believed it to be true. So it should have shown up in the Bible somewhere if it was written just by men. The Hindus believed that the earth was held up by the back of an elephant who was riding on the back of a turtle, who was riding on a sea serpent who was going through the cosmic sea. 
And you can say, oh, that's silly. We know that's not true. You know it's not true, but at that moment, they believed with their whole hearts it was true. Their smartest, wisest men believed it was true. Then comes Moses. See, Moses was born, and then he grew up in the Egyptian empire. He grew up in the throne room right next to the Pharaoh. He was trained by the Egyptians. The Egyptians believed the earth was held up by five pillars. The Egyptians were geniuses. They built the pyramids. We still don't know how they did that. Think about that. They did something. We can't figure out how they did it. They were geniuses. They believed that the earth was held up by five pillars. Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, how did that not show up? Because it's God's word, not men's word. The Bible in the book of Job, which is probably, or which is the oldest Bible, in the, or oldest book in the Bible, says this, God stretches the sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. Let that sink in. 4,000 years ago, someone wrote down exactly what's scientifically accurate, and no one believed it until 14. There you go. Good job. It is scientifically accurate. Now, here's my favorite one. My favorite one is this one because you've just gone through this in a really, really big way. Quarantines. Who came up with the idea of quarantines? I don't mean a month ago or a year ago. Who came up with this idea? You know, in the Middle Ages, how they would enter, they had the bubonic plague, and this is what doctors would do. Doctors would go in, they would work on dead patients, try to figure out what was going on with them, not wash their hands, walk over in and deliver a baby. You're like, that's ridiculous. Nobody's that dumb. They were smart. They were the smartest ones. They were the scientists of the day. They just had no idea what germs were. What they thought was true was not true. Now, I just took a little tiny picture out of that, that piece, right? When God gave his law to the Israelites, when they left Egypt and they were going to go into the promised land, that's it's an amazing study in itself. The health the health uh, principles that are laid down in the book of Leviticus, way, way ahead of their time. He said this. Put an infected person in quarantine for how many days? Seven days. Before uh, COVID hit, scientifically, we have discovered that you, when somebody gets a virus, when they get bacteria, you put them into quarantine for seven days. Why did he know that then? Because it wasn't written by men. It was written down by men, but it was written by God. Number three, it is prophetically accurate. It is prophetically accurate. The Bible says no prophecy ever originated from humans. 
Now, before we go any further, you need to, to know a little bit about this because there are numbers of people who will from time to time say that they have the ability to prophesy. They, they can do that. They can prophesy. Well, in the Old Testament, no one ran up and said, I want to be a prophet. Can I be a prophet? I'd like to be a prophet. This is why. In Deuteronomy, it says, if a prophet is wrong one time, kill him. That's how serious prophecy is, right? It's also that when God's, the reason for that is a prophet was saying that God spoke to him. And if you say God has spoken to me, but then you speak something that's not true, God clearly hasn't spoken to you. Prophecy, no prophecy ever originated from humans. Instead, it was given by the Holy Spirit as humans spoke under God's direction. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus that came true. Now, I've looked up a lot of those prophecies. A couple of them, I'm like, are you sure that was a prophecy? It kind of looks like you just made it fit. Okay? Fine. Let's say there was 150. If you go to Isaiah 53, if you go to, to Psalm 22, in Psalm 22, it walks through that he dies because his hands are pierced and his feet are pierced. Crucifixion didn't show up for another 1,500 years. When you go to Isaiah, he's born of a virgin. Like, why would, there's all of these prophecies throughout the Bible. That's just about Jesus. If you, uh, I've got a friend who is walking through the Old Testament. He's listening to the Old Testament and he's shocked. He's like, wait a minute, I heard that prophecy over here and then it got fulfilled a thousand years later over here. It's one of the major reasons that you can trust the Bible. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophet as recorded in the scriptures. Jesus said this over and over again. This is why it's happening this way. It must happen this way for this reason. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Number four is it is thematically unified. Now, you have to think about this one for a little bit. Like, this is not something that we're used to interacting with. Um, I personally did not like English class. And I'm guessing there's a good number of you that did not love English class. 10% of you, you loved it. It's the greatest thing in the world. Yep, awesome. So you love to write, and you love this whole idea of how, how it all works together and, and, and all that piece. For the rest of us, you gotta, you got to come with me on this one. you got to come with me. This one is huge. It is probably the strongest reason why you can trust the Bible. The Bible is not one book written by one person. Islam has a book that's written by one person. Right? The Quran's work written by one person. Confucian, um, all these other religions, the book is written by one person. If you wrote a book yourself, you would have a number of inconsistencies in the book. It wouldn't make sense. You watch movies today and you're like, no, that couldn't happen with that person over here because this happened over here. Even when they make the movie, millions of dollars, they still have inconsistencies, right? It didn't make sense. The Bible... It's a series of books or letters in the New Testament that is written over 1,600 years. The person who wrote Genesis never met the person who wrote Revelation. 
most of the Bible writers, they didn't, they didn't meet each other. They don't know each other. It's written by 40 different authors. Three continents, three languages. And it tells one story. You see, you have already experienced this. A number of you have already experienced this. You're reading the Bible, and you're reading this part of the Bible, and then you read this part of the Bible, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I can see how that fits with that. I see how that fits with that. I see how that fits with that. That's impossible. It's impossible that that does that. Written by that many people over that much time. It's amazing. And the more you read the Bible, you don't find more consistencies. The more you study the Bible, it doesn't, you don't find it more disjointed. The more you read the Bible, you're like, Whoa, whoa. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He's talking about the Old Testament. You search the scriptures because you believe they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. The Old Testament isn't about one story and the New Testament about another story. It's all one story. Number five. It is confirmed by Jesus. This one's just, uh, we'll just hit this really quickly. Uh, a number of people, especially recently, have come out with the idea that they just believe in what Jesus has said. They're what called red-letter Christians. They just, I just believe in Jesus. If Jesus didn't say it, then I don't believe it. Maybe it's somebody else. This is what Jesus said. If you believe in Jesus, this is what Jesus said. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus quoted the Old Testament over and over. When Jesus talks about the Scripture, he's talking about the Old Testament. You, you can, there's, there's no such thing as believing in, not if you're honest academically, intellectually, you, you cannot believe in Jesus and not believe in the Old Testament. Why? Because he believed in Moses, he believed in the law, he believed in Adam and Eve, he believed in Noah, he believed the whole scriptures. He is the word of God, he encapsulates the word of God, you cannot separate those, it is confirmed by Jesus. Number six, it has survived all attacks. Now I said at the beginning, it's the most sold, it's the most read book, uh, it's also the most hated book in all of history. People for all, throughout all of history, from the day that Jesus rose from the dead, and the soldiers came back and said, he, he rose from the dead, he's not there anymore. They began to spin a tale that that wasn't true. They immediately began to spin a tale that that was not true. That has been happening ever since. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Don't think of that as some kind of weird spiritual thing. That's a truth. It's a rock-solid truth you can stand on, you can build your life on. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. In our most recent history, in the last hundred years, Russia outlawed the Bible. If you got caught with the Bible, then you were imprisoned. You were not allowed to bring Bibles into Russia. Communist China, North Korea, huge parts of the Middle East. You're not allowed to have a Bible. The American school system. You're, you're not allowed. You can write papers and you can cite 
all sorts of historical books that may or may not be accurate, you cannot cite the Bible. It has been attacked and attacked and attacked and attacked. But it stands. What do you mean by that? I mean, it hasn't been proved not true. It hasn't been proved faulty. Even though people have given so much time and energy to try to destroy the, the veracity, the truth of the Bible. When you watch all of the forces try to prove that someone is guilty and they're not, you know they're not guilty. There's no way they could hide anything. They turned over every stone. That's what's happened with the scriptures. Number seven, it has transformed, it has transforming power. Now I ask you to interact with the first ones intellectually. This one, you're going to have to include your spirit. This one, you're going to have to include your spirit because you've watched this happen. You've either watched this happen or you've experienced this yourself. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It will change your life. Mankind has done this forever. They have forever tried to outlaw bigotry, racism, and hatred. And every time you try to outlaw it, it just gets worse. Why? Because only the Word of God can change a man's heart. One of the reasons to trust the Bible is because it can change the heart of a man. It can change your heart. So here's the big question. What will be the authority for your life? What will be the authority for your life? Does the Bible judge you, or do you judge the Bible? Do you trust the Bible because it's a religious book and it seems good? Or do you trust the Bible with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul? Because the A and B, the facts, the facts never contradict the Bible. I'm not saying because A is true and B is true, you can trust the Bible. What I'm saying is this. Because that, 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 that equal sign in between there, right? That comes down to our logic. It comes down to our reason, right? Sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's wrong. This is what I'm saying. The A, the facts of the seven things we talked about today, plus the facts of the seven things we talked about today, they don't conflict with what the Bible says. That's amazing. It's impossible. It's something you can trust for all of eternity. The Bible says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Only the word of God can do that. Will you trust it? Then you will be able to prove, approve what is good God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Another passage says this. Listen to this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now listen. You don't, if you will, if you will research this, if you'll go after this, what do I mean by that? Stop thinking, well, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I don't, I'm not I, no one can know. That's not true. Look into any one of these issues. When somebody comes to you and says, I have proof the Bible, no, look into it. 
Don't be afraid of it. Go after it. Look into it. Why? Because the Bible has proven itself to be true. Based on science and history, it's proven itself to be true. So then it comes down to this. If it's true, will I trust the very words of Christ? Will I trust the word of God? And when you do, it dwells in you richly. It gives you peace and joy and strength. It makes you courageous. It leads you or convicts you and calls you to do things that other people are not willing to do. It, 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 it empowers you to take risk and live a life worth living. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is trustworthy and that you never ask us to suspend our minds or our spirits or our souls, but to engage wholeheartedly. That you didn't come and leave us to guess who you are. You gave us both your word through the Bible. And Jesus, you are the word, the man, the person, the God. So we know exactly who you are. Therefore, you have spoken. And you've spoken to us. We don't have to decide if we're going to believe the Bible. We do have to decide if we're going to believe what you've spoken. Are we going to trust you and your word? I thank you for each person who ever has. You've changed them. You've kept your word. You've kept your promise. I thank you that a shaking world You've given us a place to stand that will not only last in our lifetime, but my children's lifetime and my grandchildren's lifetime and their children's lifetime. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.